Father, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in Zach. Thank you for how you're about to use him this morning. Lord, we pray and we ask for ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to receive the word that you bring through him. So I thank you, Lord, for ministering directly to us. Lord, we honor you and we bless this young man in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you honor Zach with me? Please, please, please do me a favor and just stay standing if you could. Stay standing if you could. Um, keep playing, Rebecca. Um, just before we move on, let's just keep in this atmosphere real quick. Uh, can we all just close our eyes? And just exactly like what Jacob was saying, just look unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. He's beautiful and he's worth looking at. And if you can right now, I just want us to, the, for, for the next minute or so, just begin to, just begin to pray in the Spirit. Just begin to pray with your understanding if you don't know how to pray in the Spirit. And just invite Jesus to come. Invite the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to us right now. So just for the next minute or so, just open your mouth and just begin to pray. All across the room, every voice, every voice, begin to lift up adoration to Jesus. Sitting in silence isn't enough. It's not praying from your heart. Pray out loud. Hear yourself pray. Hear yourself love on Jesus. Jesus, Father, we just ask this morning that you would that you would have a dwelling place here, that you would have a resting place in your people. Father, I ask that we would leave this place with such a deeper love for Jesus and such a greater understanding of what it is that you paid a price for. Holy Spirit, do what you do. We submit ourselves to you. We yield ourselves to you. In Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. 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 <laughs> you may be seated. In the presence of the Lord. Oh. <clears throat> is there anyone here that is aware that Jesus is here? More so on this side than this side. Are you guys aware? Because he's here. And so if these people over here get touched and you guys get left out, you may want to switch seats. I don't know. See what you want to do. All right. You guys know what I do every time I get up and speak. Who brought their Bibles? Who brought their Bibles? Put it up. Let me see it. Let me see it. Come on. Those are beautiful leather bags, hard bags. Beautiful. Yeah, flashy phones, everything. Um, well, I, <laughs> I was praying and seeking the Lord on, on what to bring this Sunday and he had me go like the, the typical worship leader route, which is, I'm going to talk to you all about worship, so we're just going to sit there and we're going to talk about it, because uh, it's very, very special, not just to the Lord, but it's special to this house. Uh, this house is, we're all about what Jesus wants. And many a times, that takes the form of singing to him and ministering to the Lord through song. And I know that for some of us in here, that comes as second nature, maybe even first nature. You probably sing more than you actually talk normal. But for other people, that may be totally a different culture, something you're not used to, or maybe you don't think that you were created to, uh, to, to exhort the Lord in that way. And I'm just going to say right now, not every single one of you in here is called to lead a room of people in song. But every single one of you, <laughs> thank you, Dan. <laughs> but every single one of you 
is divinely created to worship the Lord in song. Specifically in song. And I know we always talk, like we hear a lot, you know, worship isn't just singing. Worship is serving the Lord. Worship is, you know, if you're a businessman, that's, that's, that's your worship unto the Lord. You know, if, if, you're, if you're in a relationship and all those kinds of things, that can be your worship to the Lord. As, you know, but I want us to just simply focus on the song aspect of it because song is scattered all throughout Scripture. It's probably the most predominantly present aspect of loving the Lord and ministering to His heart within the Scriptures. And so the first thing that we do here, I'm just going to, if you're new to us at Vision, first of all, welcome. Can we just invite them if this is their first time? Come on, y'all. We're so glad uh, that Holy Spirit drug you here. It's awesome. We're, we're excited for what he's going to do. But uh, what we do here is from day one that Vision Church became a thing. And the Lord birthed his vision. <laughs> Uh, in, in, my, in my parents' heart. Worship through song and ministering to the Lord has been one of our number one priorities is that we would cultivate an atmosphere, that we would cultivate a house for the Lord. Not give Him a venue, but that we would give Him a home. A venue is a place that you rent out and you only meet there maybe once a year. But a house is a place where you dwell. And that's what the Lord has desperately desired. We, I, I personally feel like the Lord has brought us to this region to steward the presence of God in this region. And what does that look like? That looks like creating a house for the Lord where His people can come, minister to the Lord, and watch it impact society. Because when you come into the presence of the Lord and He is there... And there is not just this one-way conversation, but it is a constant back and forth. We love you, he loves us. We love you, he loves us. It's a dance. We're the bride, he's the groom. So if anything, you could look at it as you're going to the ball every Sunday. You dress up, you're getting nice. And what are you coming here to do? You're coming here to love on your bridegroom. We have the secret place, but the corporate setting is really, really special. Because that's when you take all... I mean, it, it would probably blow all of our minds to imagine the history of the Lord that is, cul, that is, that is culminated in this room. Every single one of us. We're bringing our history with the Lord together. And then the Lord stirs the pot. And then we all begin to just go after Him. And it's because every single one of us are joining our faith together in love for the Lord. The corporate setting is so important. And worship is so important. But I didn't always used to see worship as something that was sweet and beautiful and I never wanted it to end. I actually couldn't wait for it to end. Because growing up in church, you get used to service after service, sun up to sundown. Every time, you know, you're hearing the preachers, you're hearing the worship team, and you're hearing the same song multiple weeks in a row. And I didn't fully understand it because to me, I'm just like, I'm at the, you know, at growing up in this environment until I had my own relationship with the Lord. It didn't make sense to me. So if you're here this morning and you're not living on your own relationship with the Lord, none of what I'm about to say will make any sense to you because it requires personal relationship, personal intimacy with the Lord. And so growing up in a, in a church environment, not really getting excited about worship, I thought it was limited to four songs, too fast, too slow, so that it was easier for the pastor to get up at the end and do ministry time or whatever. But we started traveling full time, my family and I, and I know many of you who have been with us here, you guys have heard a lot of the stories because uh, God did a lot in those five years. But... It, it, it seemed like every Sunday we were in a different church all across the U.S., California, New York, Florida, Texas, everywhere in between. Different denominations. We weren't always going into town looking for, oh, are these the charismatics or, oh, are these, you know, I'm talking every church. No church was off our list because we were looking for churches that their number one goal was Jesus and we're like, we can get on board with that and we can partner with that. 
We're not looking for what we disagree on. We're looking for the one thing that is most important. What do you think about Jesus? And we saw a lot of different worship services. I saw a lot of different worship services. Services that were super crazy and went on for hours and then other services that you were like, good Lord, five minutes is too long for these people because it was just so dry. But I remember we were in Phoenix, Arizona and my relationship with the Lord was becoming more, 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 more sturdy. The foundation was really taking shape. And I mean, we were in Phoenix, what was that, 2016, 2015? And... Yeah, and so on Sundays, I was a part of an internship team, and so our leaders, uh, Terry and Brenda Henshaw, they would group us up. There was about anywhere from 8 to 12 or 14 of us interns. And so every Sunday, Terry and Brenda, our leaders, they would group us up into groups of two, and they would send us out to different churches and basically have us make contacts with the, with the associate pastor. It's not a great time to connect with a lead pastor on a Sunday morning, so... Don't advise that. But the associate pastor, that's what he's there for. So we would go and make these connections with these pastors, and we would always sit in on the services. And, and, um, but I remember one church that we found out about in Phoenix, and it always stuck with me. It was a church called Deer Valley in Phoenix. And we go to this church. It's in a strip mall. Low ceilings. I mean just a wide room full of chairs. And we go in. It's not a Sunday morning, though. We go in on a Wednesday night. So kind of like this many chairs are set up, but there's very few people in there. And when I walk in, the room's dimly lit, and there's only two people on the platform, and it's worship. There's just a guy sitting there on a, on a stool with his acoustic guitar, and there's a girl sitting there on a stool next to him, and they're both just singing. And... It was like when you walked into the room, it was like you peeled back a veil to walk in. And when you walked in the room, all of, like you, you know when your knees all of a sudden just get weak? Like you can still stand, but you feel it a little bit. The moment we walked into that atmosphere, I began to really feel all of these different things. And I began to recognize the Lord is here. But it wasn't extravagant. It wasn't well lit. I don't even really remember what they sang. All I remember was that these people have caught the attention of the Lord. And the Lord is resting here. They worshipped for over an hour and it felt like 15 minutes. Because when you're in His presence, it doesn't make sense how much time has passed by. It doesn't make sense how many songs have been sung. What makes sense is the heart posture before the Lord. And that's what we had walked into, was we had walked into an environment where there was purity. There was a purity in the room. And so I experienced that, and it rocked me, because my interpretation of worship was we got to have the best drummer, we got to have the best bassist that can hit all the cool fancy licks, we got to have the, the keys that can quickly move to the pads and make you sound like you know what you're talking about. We need to have the music or we need to have the singers that sound like Mav City and can sing for three hours and they still sound incredible. We need the lighting. We need the sound equipment and all these different things. But ever since we started Vision, the Lord has reminded me of that room in Phoenix, Arizona with a dude and a guitar and a girl just singing and ministering unto the Lord. And I recognize that that reminds me of all that's needed. Like, he can show up with a full band. He does show up with a full band. It's beautiful. But the band is not the, the priority. The band, in, in essence, is how can we give people more avenues to minister to the Lord? You like to drum? Drum unto Jesus. You like to play bass? Unless Daniel doesn't. I don't know if you like to play or not, but you play great. But if you like to play bass, minute play unto the Lord. If you like to sing, sing unto the Lord. And it just really instilled in me this value for the presence of God over the perfection of how we play. And, I mean, we mess up numerous times on a Sunday morning. 
I'm just speaking real practical to you guys. I'm not trying to preach or anything like that. I'm just wanting to speak practical with what the Lord has shown me in worship. But it's that we're not looking at playing it perfectly. I am not that good of a guitar player. I'm not bashing myself. I just, I know what I know and I don't know what I don't know. So if you play what I don't know, <laughs> I'm probably not going to be able to hit it. But I'm still learning. But up here, we, we prioritize presence. Not performance, not perfection. Presence. Presence is messy. It can be messy. But when we look into Scripture, God is always looking for a place where He can dwell. That was the reason why He gave Moses the plan for the tabernacle. He said, give me a place where I can live amongst my people. And so when it comes to worship, it's about giving God a dwelling place, giving God a resting place. In Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we see the creation of the universe. Everything is now formed into being because of the Father. And I think we need to be reminded as to why did God even set himself out to create? Well, first of all, for God to be God, for God to be creator, he has to create. That's why he is still creating today. It's because it is necessary for God to be God, he must create. For God to be God, he must be omnipresent everywhere at one time. But there's something that I want us to focus on that real quick, the omnipresence of God. If you've never heard of that term, it means God is everywhere. He's everywhere. But I want us to focus on two aspects of the presence of God. You have the omnipresence of God, and you have the manifest presence of God. The omnipresence of God is what we read in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, which says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. What God is referring to is his omnipresence. I will not leave you nor forsake you. But when we look at the manifest presence of God, the manifest presence of God, it shows up in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. And we have, pretty much all of you in this room have heard this scripture, I'm sure, because it refers to the corporate gathering, or we, we use it when we're talking about the corporate gathering. But it's the scripture that says, if one or two gather together in my midst, there I will be. That's not omnipresence. That's manifest presence. Because once again, he says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And he already promised us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But in this instance, he's saying, if you gather together, there I am. So this right here is referring to the, 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 the threads that we see all throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament is this desire for God to dwell amongst his people. That's why he brought Israel out of Egypt was not because they not he didn't bring them out because he didn't want them to be slaves anymore. He brought them out because he wanted them to be sons. He wanted them to be daughters. Because when you read the story in Exodus, the first destination the Lord brings Israel to in his mind is not the promised land. It's Mount Sinai. Because that was the mountain that the Lord dwells on. That was the that was where he had made his home on the earth at that time. And he wanted to bring his children unto himself. But whenever he found out that his, his children, Israel, were actually afraid of God, they did not have the fear of the Lord, which is a reverential fear. They, had, they were scared of God. They didn't want to meet with God on the mountain. And so Moses became the middleman. And I think far too many times people come into church and they look at worship that way. They look at the worship leader as he is Moses. Or they look at the pastor and they say, you are Moses. Your responsibility is to go and hear from the Lord for me. What has the Lord spoken and then come back and tell me? That is an Old Testament way of living. Old Testament way of living. God wanted to bring all of Israel to himself. And only Moses would go up on the mountain. This was an open invitation for God to manifest himself in the midst of his people. 
and they were afraid. And Moses was the only one that went up on the mountain and he cultivated a relationship with the Lord. Because right now, it's not our responsibility to hear the Lord for you. It's our responsibility to spend time with the Lord and to reveal what He's been revealing to, to us in the context of how can we grow big people? How can we become more like Jesus? All of us are learning different things all at one time. But as a community, we need to make sure we're all on the same page. And so it's so important that when you come to church, it's not, all right, worship leader, lead me into the glory. It's not, all right, pastor, tell me what God's saying. It's instead, no, Lord, I've come to meet with you. I've come to dwell with you. I've come to worship you and love on you. And then you won't leave service disappointed when we didn't play your favorite worship song. I can tell you right now, just don't even give me, don't even, like, I love y'all dearly, but don't even give me song recommendations. Like, please don't. Because... When we get together every Wednesday, Rebecca and I, we sit down and we simply ask each other this one question. What has the Lord had on your heart concerning this Sunday for worship? And there are some times where we're like, I've got nothing. And then we'll just say, all right. Well, we're not going to go through a list of songs and force something. But we're going to wait on the Lord. We're going to get alone with the Lord and say, what do you want us to sing? What do you want us to declare? What needs to be spoken over this house? Because what you speak, what you declare, what you sing, that will steer the, the, the desire of the church. If all you sing about is woe is me, a lot of people are going to be thinking, woe is me. They'll think of themselves unworthy in the midst of worship. And that is such a disservice unto the Lord. When you think of yourself unworthy in worship, because worship in its purest form is you're not even thinking of yourself at all in its purest form. Worship is you have fixed your eyes on Jesus and he is the only one you see and he's the only one you're singing to. If you for one minute are thinking, how do I look right now? How do I sound right now? I'm not worthy of this. You are not worshiping. What you're doing is you're worshiping your unholiness. You're pointing your affection in the realm of, I shouldn't be here right now. But there's a, holy, there's, a holy, there's a holy line that we draw right there, which is, yes, in an instance, you shouldn't be here right now. The Lord is the reason why you're here. So instead of saying, I shouldn't be here, and that is threaded through guilt and shame because of your past, instead it's, no, Lord, I shouldn't be here right now, but I am because you love me and you've given of yourself for me to know you, and because of this reality, I will worship you like there's no tomorrow. Because look at what you've done. Dad talked about it earlier, which is forgiven much versus forgiven little. Every single one of us, if you sinned once or a thousand times, the blood of Jesus had to be spilt to cover that one or that thousand. The blood of Jesus does not cover more so-and-so than it covers this person. My mom's not any less covered in the blood than I am. I'm not any less covered in the blood than James is. When the blood was spilt, it evenly flowed down and covered every single person. Which means when you look at yourself in the mirror, you say, I was paid for with the same amount of blood. How much blood? All of it. Every drop of the blood of Jesus was spilled for you. Which is what's crazy when you look at the cross. You recognize that all generations that ever were or ever will be and are right now, the same amount of blood has been spilt. But does your worship reflect the knowledge of how much blood was spilled for you? When you worship Him, do you worship Him because you recognize the cost that's why I feel like worship for me needs to cost me something. If it's my voice, so be it. If it's my fingers, so be it. <laughs> worship has to cost us something. Because if it doesn't cost you something, you won't value it. You value what you pay a price for. Why do people put cases on their phones? Because they value them. 
Do you value the presence of Jesus? If you don't, this is not a knock against you. This is instead to say, hey, see your value because your value is found in him. You'll truly value yourself when you truly value him. And when you truly value him, it doesn't matter if it's been a 30, it doesn't matter if it's been 30 minutes, if it's been an hour, if it's been two hours, you will worship him like there's no tomorrow. You'll minister to his heart because you want to, not because, well, it's that time of the service and this is just what we do. That's not how this works. But getting back to being a dwelling place for the Lord, I love what uh, Michael Miller from Upper Room says about this. He says that creation was initiated because of this fact. The God who is everywhere desires to manifest himself somewhere. The God who is everywhere desires to manifest himself somewhere. He doesn't just want to exist in omnipresence. He wants to manifest in manifest presence. He wants to show up, shake the room, shake the atmosphere. This is who he is, and this is what he desires. He created the garden as his home. He walked with Adam in the cool of the evening. That's what he desires. Omnipresence doesn't do that. Manifest presence does. Manifest presence walks with you. Omnipresence flows around you. And so he walks with God in the cool of the day. That's what God was getting to. He was getting to this place where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create this world. I'm going to create plants, animals, sky, stars, light, dark. I'm going to create a resting place, not just for man, but a place where I can dwell with man and I can rest with man. Which is why it broke the Lord's heart so severely when he showed up one day in the cool of the evening and he had to ask the question, where are you? That hits deep. Where are you? You're not where you were supposed to be. You're not where you were meant to be. You're not where you were made to be. And so the manifest presence of God, it keeps us in this place of recognizing that God, you're everywhere, but you desire to be here. You desire to be right here. And so when we sing and when we minister to the Lord, that's because our goal here is to minister to the Lord. That's our goal. If we leave today, we walk out those doors and we didn't minister to Him, we didn't love on Him, we didn't experience His presence, then all of this was for nothing. All of this was for nothing. I was talking with Daniel. Uh, we talked about this, I think, like a couple weeks ago. But it was, and some of you may have heard me talk about it in, in service and whatnot, but there's a, there's a moment in the Gospels where Jesus walks on the water, right? We all know the story where Jesus walks on water. He walked on water actually a couple times. And one time in particular really stands out to me. And it's the disciples, they're in the boat. And I feel like every time the disciples are in the boat, they're like, toiling just to get across the, the sea. Like I can imagine they're kind of like, we got to get back in the boat. This is going to stink. This is going to be awful. You know, but they're having a hard time once again getting across the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is walking on the water towards the disciples. But scripture specifically says that he intended to pass them by. That sounds pretty savage to me. Like Jesus sees his disciples struggling in a boat. And he's walking on water and he's just like, see ya, like I'm gonna pass you by, it doesn't matter. Like you ever been at the, uh, like that's, that's like, if you've been at the airport and you see somebody that missed the moving sidewalk but they like have four bags, you're just on the side, moving sidewalk like, see ya, you know? It's a great feeling but then you feel bad and you loop back around and you help them. But uh, that's what I picture it was like for Jesus. Jesus is just strolling and his disciples are having a hard time. But... He, with the intent to pass them by, the disciples saw Jesus and they called out to him. This is the aspect I want us to focus on. They called out to Jesus and Jesus came and he got in the boat. So I want to propose this question. How many churches on a Sunday morning does Jesus walk through their services with the intent to pass them by and they have the discernment to recognize Jesus, come. 
get in the boat. I feel like the Lord does that to every church every Sunday morning. He walks through their services with the intent to pass them by, but he will stop and dwell with whoever sees him and calls to him. And that's our goal here, is that we would have the wherewithal to recognize the moment the atmosphere shifts, you change gears. And you're like, you know what? Forget what we were going to do. I just felt something change. The Lord is here. Come and rest on us. We sing it. And if we sing it, you better believe it's because we believe it. We don't just sing it because it sounds cool or it's the new hit worship song on KLRC or whatever. I don't even, you know, I don't even know what's on KLRC. But if it's playing on KLRC, love it. It's cool. Um, But our goal is we have to sing and believe what we're singing. I've seen cancer disappear. I've seen metal plates dissolve. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We played at a, uh, at a, at a youth group on, on Friday night. They were doing a youth conference, and we sang that song. And watching these young people from the ages of, of 12, probably, you know, through, through junior and high school, and we're worshiping, and I mean, they're crying, they're crying out to God, and it's beautiful. And just really felt the Lord specifically tell me, speak to this, because some of them don't want to sing those parts because they feel like they're lying. So where you're saying, I've seen cancer disappear. Maybe you're thinking, well, that's really hard for me to sing because I actually had a loved one that passed away from cancer. So I haven't seen it disappear. Maybe you have a hard time singing. I've seen families reunited because you're probably thinking to yourself, well, mine's actually pretty torn up. I've never had the experience. My parents got divorced when I was young. I have no idea. I've never known what it's like to have a whole family. Maybe it's difficult for you to sing. I've seen addicts finally free because you're thinking to yourself, I've been struggling with addiction for years decades even, and I am wondering if I'm ever going to be free, and I've finally given up and just thought, you know, I'll be free once I get to heaven. There are people that think that way. You know how I know? Because I used to think that way. I used to think that way. But when we sing it, I've seen cancer disappear. You're not necessarily saying it because you've seen it. You're saying it because He's seen it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when you're singing it, you're also declaring, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see cancer healed every time. I'm going to see families reunited. I'm going to see prodigals restored. Runaways, they're coming home. And so you don't sing it from your own experience. That's what I love about worship, is you don't sing from your experience. You sing from who he is, which is why you have to see him when you're worshiping. Is because it changes the way you say the words. It changes the way you sing it out. Because whenever I sing, I've seen cancer disappeared. I've seen metal plates dissolved. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Based on my experience, it could, it's only as good as my experience. But when I sing it based upon who he is, I'm declaring, I'm declaring it and I believe it wholeheartedly because it's possible for him. I can't, and I love what that song says, I can't resurrect a man with my own hands. But just the mention of whose name? Jesus. Jesus. Just the mention of his name can raise the dead. This is what we're trying to do here, is to, is, is to just bring it to this simple understanding. Look at Jesus and love him. Look at him and love him. Let him love you and love him back. This isn't a one-time or a once-a-week thing. If anything, what takes place on Sunday mornings, Monday nights, Wednesday nights, what is the whole point there? It's not to be your spiritual getaway. It's to be a catalyst, to spark a fire in your heart so that when you go home, you fall on your knees before the Lord and you say, I love you. No one's making you be there. No one's forcing you to be there. You're doing it because you want to, not because mom and dad said You're doing it because you want to, not because pastor said. You guys tracking with me? Okay. I just want to make sure you guys, I'm not just, you know, yeah. Um, Okay. So what does worship look like? You can't really know what worship looks like without looking at scripture. Because if you think, well, worship's supposed to look this way, you'll be disappointed when it looks a different way, and then you'll miss out what God is doing. Um... 
We can't step in to a service and assume God has to move this way. God, I need to see you move this way. God will move in whatever way he desires because he's God. (laughs) And he knows what is best for you. And he will manifest himself. I don't know about you, but there's never been a time where Jesus has come into the room and I've thought, man, Lord, you kind of come a little bit differently. Like maybe come from like the left side of the room instead of the right side. Typically when he comes up, I'm just like, oh God, you know, like it's great because he comes exactly how you need him. Um, Let's look, take your Bibles, move to Revelation chapter four. Scripture is amazing. Scripture is great. So we have to have a picture of what worship looks like. And what a better place to look at, excuse me, than the place where worship is happening 24-7, seven days a week. I'm not talking about upper room. I'm not talking about any other church with their prayer room. (laughs) I'm talking about heaven, the culture of heaven. So in Revelation chapter 4, We're going to be in verse 6 through 11, the latter part of 6 through 11. I'm just going to read it. Um, I'm in the Passion Translation, so if you start crying, that's why. Um, It says, Around the throne on each side stood four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature resembled a lion, the second an ox, the third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Sounds trippy. Each of the four living creatures had six wings full of eyes all around and under their wings. They worshipped without ceasing day and night, singing. These are the words they're singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty, the was, the is, and the coming. And whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor, and thanks to the one who is enthroned and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall face down before the one seated on the throne. And they worship the one who lives forever and ever. And they surrender their crowns before the throne, singing, You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things. And for your pleasure, they were created and exist. You were created for his pleasure. You were created for him. Which means everything we do is in response to what he's done. Everything we do is in response to who he is. What I love about this is it talks about 24 elders. In the chapter before this, chapter 3, it talks about the throne room and what surrounds the throne room. First of all, in the throne, <laughs> or on, <laughs> he's seated on the throne. Right? There's an aura that's like emerald green it talks about. It's, like a, it's, it's crazy. I can't even begin to imagine what it'll be like to just walk into that room. But it says that there are myriads upon myriads, which means there are 10,000s upon 10,000s of angels that surround his throne. So we're talking like a big gathering. And they surround his throne in holy awe. And then you have 24 thrones. What? 24 thrones with each seated upon it, 24 different elders, okay? So in essence, you could think, let me, I guess, (laughs) it's a kingdom. So you could say that you've got the king, and then you have basically his advisors, what you would think, his advisors. Only (laughs) these people ain't ain't advising this king. So, (laughs) but you've got the king, you've got 24 elders, and then you've got the living creatures. All of this is in the throne room. It's like a, just a beautiful hodgepodge of worship. It's crazy. But what I recognize here is these 24 elders, they each wear a crown. So they're of a very high position in heaven. But the moment that these living creatures cry out, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. These elders seated on their thrones with their crowns, they fall face down. It's not just on their knees. I'm talking like full on, on their face. And they cast their crowns at the feet of the throne. 
So if you mean to tell me that these guys that are seated in heaven, in the throne room, and they are wearing a crown, these guys are greater than angels, these guys are beholding the throne 24-7, and they fall face down, they count their crowns as nothing in the presence of the king. How much more should I count any accomplishment, anything I've ever done as something worthy of putting on my head and parading around like I'm someone special? At the sound of holy, 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 I take my crown and I'm the first one. I throw it at his feet. You don't worship the Lord with your crown on. Because your crown, what does that represent? Your accomplishments, your accolades, what people think about you, all these different things. And that is the first thing. If you worship with your crown on, you can't see. You can't see him. Because you're more focused on what you know here than what he really wants, which is this. And this can't be tied to this. Does that make sense? I know, I'm, I'm not really funny right now. I'm just, you know, I'm just talking about Jesus. <laughs> He's super important. So worship is not worship if you are not beholding the Lamb. You have to truly enter into worship. You, or you have truly entered into worship when you are not even a thought unto yourself. And so growing up and seeing these different worship environments, being in these rooms, you really begin to recognize what is him and what is not him? What's me and what's him? Because sometimes you can get caught in this, of this realm of just emotionalism. Yep. I'm just crying just to cry. Or I walk out of the service and I feel like the Lord didn't touch me because I didn't shed a tear. Or I walk out of service and I think the Lord didn't touch me because I didn't get goosebumps or my hair didn't stand up. That's not the gauge. That's not the gauge. That's an added bonus. There are times when the Lord touches me and there's no other way to respond to it other than, ah, you know. I've been on my face for like an hour before just because the Lord came in and went, boop, and you're like, oh, because it's who he is. Someone with that much power touches somebody as small as me, 5'8", 145 pounds, I'm going to blow up, you know. Like, I can't handle that. But I can't use that as the gauge to how I know the Lord's in the room. The thing that I love about the throne room in heaven is they know the Lord is there because they have, they, that's all they do is they spend time with the Lord. They're present with the Lord. They do life for eternity with the Lord. And so it's like every time they hear the words, holy, 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 it's like the first time they've ever heard them. And they go, oh, they throw themselves down. They throw their crowns down. This is the most beautiful song I've ever heard sung. But bro, you've been hearing that song for the last billion years. No, but every time it's like the first time. Every time it's like the first time. I want us to come to that point. I don't know about you all, but what I've been seeing happening in the church today, I've been seeing old hymns come back. You guys, you guys see that too? Like the old hymns, like I exalt thee, boom. But it sounds different. You know, as the deer. How many of you guys grew up and that song was sung every Sunday? Oh, I used to not care about that song. Now I can't get enough of it. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. It hits differently. Oh, the blood. It washes white as snow. I mean, my grandfather's favorite song of all time was, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I didn't know what I was saying until I did. And I knew who I was singing about. And it hit so much different. And now I don't want to sing, Lord, would you come and touch me? Lord, would you come and move on my heart? Instead of it being, Lord, come and do this for me. Lord, come and touch me. Lord, come and do this. Lord, I'm over here. Instead, it's, Lord, here I am. We fall down. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Right? We got to come back to this stuff. It comes, it, it sounds different because why? Why does it sound different? Ooh, this is good. Why does it sound different? 
because of the purity of heart that it is sung with. The, the, the me, the worship leader heart is being, the scalpel has been taken out of, like heaven is coming down with the scalpel and he is removing that self-centered worship, which is, ooh, well, I'd love to sing this song. I have a voice that's built for this. So we need to do this song on Sunday because man, when I hit that high note, people are going to get chills and then they're just going to go right with us because they're going to think that's the Lord. I think that's the Lord, you know? No, the Lord is completely stripping the church of that because when you taste the authentic, genuine, raw worship of the Lord, you will never go back. I've gone back into services after being in those moments of sweet encounter. And don't get me wrong, I'm the kind of person, it doesn't matter the environment, and I'm not saying this to to brag or anything, but I can worship regardless because I know why I'm there. The question is, do you know why you're there? Because if, if, if you're looking to the worship, as my worship is only as good as the worship is going, man, first of all, that's way too much pressure for people on worship teams. But they live with it every, sung, every Sunday. If we don't hit this, it's not going to, you know, the, the moment's not going to be right and the pastor's going to get up and, you know, he's going to... It's our job to chip away at it. Worship teams need to stop chipping away. And we need to just blow the doors open and just say, Lord, come. Help us recognize when you're here and we'll get out of the way. That's your job. Your job is to do the biggest running or the bull thing. You come and you're just like, all right, Lord, come on, come on. I'm out. I'm out of the way. It's you. You take it and do what you want to do with it. I just want to share one last scripture and then I'll, I'll, I'll finish up. I just want to read. I'm going to read this entire chapter. Come on. You better love the word because if you don't, Jesus. yeah, I'm actually going to read it from a different translation. Thank you. Psalm 63. If you already know it, sing along. No. <laughs> actually, there's, there's a really beautiful song by Jeremy Riddle. Uh, we were actually praying to it this morning. It's called Psalm 63. And the entire song is just the chapter of Psalm 63. And this chapter, I think, beautifully encapsulates what our desire needs to be for the Lord, as well as what it does to us, what He does to us. He's the God to where you can spend four hours with Him, and the moment you leave, He wants five hours. Is it because He hates us? <laughs> no because he loves us but in Psalms chapter 63 David is writing this and he's in the wilderness he's not in the palace he's not in the fields he's in the wilderness what does that mean Saul is currently coming after him you guys know the story of David that was a question you can answer back okay awesome so also keep that in your mind as I'm reading this where David is. Life is not great. He's running for his life from the man who was his father figure. His own father, Jesse, didn't really love him. But he had a closer relationship with Saul, and now Saul wants his life because of pride. And so David's in the wilderness, and he pens these words. He said, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. 
All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. This is a man who has every right in his life to think, God messed up. God does not value me. He had every right to allow his experience. I'm being pursued by a man who was my father-in-law, who used to be my closest friend, and now wants nothing more but for me to be dead for no reason at all. For no reason at all. But instead of David sitting there and going, God, why? Why? You anointed me. You called me. And yet, here I am. Instead, David looks up and he says, God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. My heart and my flesh, they hunger and thirst for you as in a dry and weary land. For I have seen you. I've beheld your glory. Some of us need to remember the moments where we encountered his glory. I want to challenge you with that this morning. When you go home from church today and you get in your room, whether you're changing or just being quiet before the Lord, go back to the old wells of encounter. Go back to the old places where you encountered the Lord. Let him remember or let him remind you of where you were when you encountered him. What was going on in your life when you encountered him. What he spoke to you. How you responded to it. Go back to it. Because the temptation to think, the Lord's not here. He's not speaking to me. He's touching everyone except me. I guess it's because I'm ADD. I'm ADHD. I'm OCD. I'm PTSD. I don't know. It's not because of that. It's not because of that. You need to go back and put yourself in remembrance of what the Lord has done. Because for me, anytime I move forward in a season and I begin to question whether or not the Lord was really with me or if I had really been called, the Lord would always say, hey, look back here. Look back here. He's not saying look back in your past. What he's saying is look at the moment when you were sitting in your room after making a very difficult decision and you thought your life was over. You thought you had nothing to, you thought you had nothing left. You feel like everyone had left you. But then I showed up and you were left undone. Those are the things that we go back to. And this is pure worship, is bringing yourself before the Lord, coming before him, laying yourself out at his feet and saying, I am only focused on you. And so I want us to do that this morning. Can we stand? Go ahead and stand and just close your eyes. Again, I didn't necessarily really come to preach. I didn't really come to teach either. I just kind of came to talk. Um, but that's really what I was just feeling the Lord putting on my heart for this, was that this community and what God is doing here is un- it's so special. It's so special. And we have to steward what God is doing here. Whether this is your church or this isn't your church, or you're thinking about making it your church, this isn't a sales pitch to get you to come to vision. All I'm telling you is this is what we're running after. Pure, unadulterated worship. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and saying, you're worth singing to. You're worth worshiping. You're worth bawling my eyes out for. And if Jesus doesn't mean that much to you, he can And he wants to mean that much to you because you know what? You mean that much to him. You mean so much more. And you even realize. Scripture says that he has more thoughts. His thoughts for you are more numerous than the the kernels of sand on the seashore. And he doesn't just stop there. He says, but every single one of them is for your benefit. Which means he's not thinking of how often you mess up. He's not thinking of your inadequacies. He's not thinking of whether or not you're going to leave him or if you're going to stay with him. What it means is instead he's thinking of, look at them. They're living their life on the earth. And I place them here 
for this day, for this hour, for this time. If, I, if he wanted you 20 years ago, he would have put you here 20 years ago. If he wanted you back in the Roman Empire, he would have put you there. If he wanted you in Africa, he would have put you in Africa. But he put you here in Northwest Arkansas in 2023 to do what? To minister to the Lord. Wherever you're at, minister to the Lord. So let's just close our eyes. Just lift your hands to the Lord. And just, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. But I'm going to pray that you would see Jesus clearer than you've ever seen him before and that your worship for him would be purer than it's ever been before. Because Matthew chapter 5 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see the Lord. So Father, right now, I just ask, Lord, that you would touch your people, that you would pour out your spirit on your people this morning. Lord, that where we have maybe come before you and we have been more focused on how our worship is to you, I pray this morning, Father, that we would look to Jesus and only worship from you. That we would worship from the understanding that Jesus is who he says he is. That Jesus is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega, that he is, he is. And so Jesus, we don't come this morning to just do service. We don't come this morning to just sing songs. We don't come this morning to just talk about you, but not actually know you. But instead, we have come this morning to glorify you to pour ourselves out, like Mary with the alabaster jar. We pour ourselves out and we say, Jesus, you are worthy of my life. You are worthy of my love. You are worthy of my praise. This is the Jesus that we serve. So right now, with your eyes closed, if you are here and in worshiping the Lord, you don't have you don't have a personal relationship with him you've grown up in church maybe you've gone to church many times but you yourself personally have never actually had a relationship with the Lord you're not walking with him daily and if you're not walking with him daily the Lord desires you to walk with him not just walk thinking that you know who he is because you heard about him he wants you to know him. And so if you're here and there's any doubt in your mind whether or not you know Jesus or maybe you know that you don't know him, just raise your hand. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. But you want to know Jesus. You want to know him. Come on, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is going to touch you. Come on. Father, we just thank you. Jesus, I just ask for these people, Father, that raise their hands. I lift them up to you, Jesus, and I pray right now that you would completely wreck them beyond repair. To be right with you, Jesus, means to be wrong in the eyes of the world. Father, it's worth that. It's worth that to us. I just thank you, Lord, for touching us with your presence. In Jesus' name. Real quick, if you did... Oh, let, me, let me see this. I want to do this the right way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I feel like there's... I, I feel like there's some people in here that you haven't given yourself to a community especially a church community specifically because you've been afraid of people discovering more about you than you're comfortable with and I feel like what the Lord is saying is get over yourself 
I, I, I don't know how else to say it. I just feel like he's saying, get over yourself and plant yourself and let your roots go deep. The reason why it feels like you're running in circles is because you're going through a life and death cycle. You're only experiencing life when you come to church periodically, but every other time, you're dying. When you're not connected, you're dying. And so I just feel like the Lord is saying, don't come because you need to serve. Come because you want Jesus and you want to do life with people who are going to hold you accountable. The beautiful thing about this is that we hold each other accountable. I don't have a choice. You all get to know things about me. But some of you, you can share as much as you're comfortable with sharing. But we've been called to run together. And so I just feel like the Lord's saying that to a few people this morning. Stop going back and forth. Plug in. Whether it's here or somewhere else, plug in. Put your roots deep and actually entrust yourself and trust the Jesus in the people around you. Okay? All right. I'm just going to pray one last time and then I'll pass it back over to Dad. Jesus, we just thank you for what you did. We thank you for who you are. And we just are so honored that you have called us for this day, for this time. What an honor it is, Lord, to just walk with you. And we are just in awe what you're doing. Lord, we are stepping into our most exciting days and we can't wait to see just what happens as a result. In Jesus' name. And if you believe it, could you say amen? Amen. Can you give Jesus praise this morning?